TE Talks with Guides is a weekly podcast for lovers of history, travel, and all things Italian. Welcome back, everybody, to TE Talks, sponsored by Through Eternity Tours. I'm your host, Rob Allen, and on TE Talks, we get to talk with some of the most fascinating people who make a living out of being wonderful storytellers. Please remember, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and listen to some of our other ones, please do write us a review and give us a rating. It is always extremely helpful to get the word out and let other people know about who we are and what we do and all of this wonderful free content that you can have. Today, we're going to be talking about Florence, visiting Florence in a day with the ever-loving Angelo. Ciao, Angelo. Ciao, buonasera. How are you, Rob? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good. So everybody, when you guys are thinking about if you want to travel to Florence and you have specific questions for us, we are happy to answer them and we're happy to read them out on the podcast eventually. So do write your questions to office at througheternity.com. So O-F-F-I-C-E at T-H-R-O-U-G-H-E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y dot C-O-M. Gosh, I always think that's such a mouthful. That is, that's good. Amazing. <laughs> Don't have me try to say it with the Italian pronunciation of the, oh, of, no, the, yeah, uh, of, of the alphabet. That'll drive people crazy. Anyway, Angelo, so how have things been going? We saw you the last time when we did the video together, which right. was in September of 2021. I haven't seen you then. And you took me and Dylan out to a couple of lovely uh, dinners. And I owe you a couple of dinners. They were magnificent. Um, Great. Now, uh, it was like we went there. It was the perfect weather. And everybody, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, just to let you know, Angela has some big shoes to fill because he did a previous podcast about thus the Duomo, the Cathedral of Florence. Um, and it had the most downloads out of any podcast that we've ever done. So it's very, very impressive, uh, Angelo. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it, uh, you have so many uh, people reading or listening to you speak? Do you think that you have a special skill or did you just have a lot of people come to listen to it? Just kidding. <laughs> okay, maybe because I'm good. No, I'm joking. I think <laughs> it's because the subject is Florence. Florence is really amazing. And yes. if I can tell you right now, the city is coming back. Every day you can see more people around. The sun is starting to shine even stronger than before, you know, probably because we're all happy to be outside. Mm-hmm. And so actually this city is perfect. It's, uh, it's full of art. It's romantic. It's, it's amazing. It's welcoming. Uh, distances are not that, you know, crazy. So it's a walking distance place. You can enjoy mm-hmm. walking in the pedestrian area. That's why I think Florence is really a city that captivates the attention of everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just lucky to be the one who had the, you know, the chance and, you know, the honor probably also to to talk about uh, this amazing place. Mm-hmm. More and more you fall in love with the city. It's true. I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm just, just no, no, this is this is true. I mean, you know, we, we so we're doing these TE Destinations videos uh, season two on our YouTube channel. And we've already done Venice, Verona, Padua and the Venetian Islands. So next is coming out this week is Florence. And this is a special one 
Well, first of all, because you are featured in it, you know, you're one yes. of the guys who's very okay with talking and chatting with me. We haven't had that in a while. And we've loved it because we've been able to get out of Rome to do a lot of these videos. And we had a blast. I had a blast. Dylan had a blast. And uh, because Florence is Florence, you know, we have to do at least uh, to start with two videos. So we have the one with you and then we have another one with Costanza going on uh, about right. off the beaten path. Now, um, we do cover like, you know, we cover outside uh, of the Duomo. We don't go inside, but we do a, a couple of things on this video that I wanted to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, but I, I definitely want to say it is uh, a wonderful city and one of the places in the video and you can see me in it. And it's something that I think guys, you can at least appreciate when you watch it, that you probably, hopefully it will be so busy. This won't happen anymore. But I mean, to be able to stand in front of the David with practically nobody being there, was uh, really lovely for me and a, and a great opportunity for us at least to uh, go and see it. But um, let's start back with the Duomo because we got to go up into the uh, the bell tower designed originally by Giotto. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Um, all right. You know, think about something that um, Italy in the 1200, it's really the place, the peninsula where everything is happening. Mm -hmm. And so um, all the architecture was uh, a way to represent the strength, the power, the economy, the political influence of the city. So mm -hmm. as nowadays, you know, growing up economy are trying to build um, taller buildings in order to impress the world with their strength, so that it in the past. And so Florence is trying to really make a big statement to the world. We know what we're doing and we're able to do, and we are the best. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the tower has to be perceived in this way. Do not forget that probably the most important example before the, the, the Giotto Bell Tower is actually is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, you know that Florentines and the Pisani, so the inhabitants of Pisa, they don't go well. Actually, we have a high sense of rivalry. Of course, with Florence, that tower is leaning. Hey, hello. But beside the jokes, let's mm -hmm. really uh, give them an applause for what they've done in the 1100. Mm -hmm. uh, the people of Pisa didn't know that they were going to build a tower where used to be a river in the Roman times. So the, you know, the foundation should have been deeper because the soil was too soft. Mm -hmm. So in the world, and of course in Tuscany, there was a big shock about building the tower. That was a dream that couldn't be true, that, that couldn't come true. Mm -hmm. But the Florentines, they not only succeeded with that, but they also wanted to give a message of strength of the building per se. So mm. if you actually observe the tower and you just stare at it and you are precise in the analysis of the tower, you will notice that the, 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 the base, it's also from the um, decoration part, from the decoration mm -hmm. part, it's very, very steady. It's very mm -hmm. horizontal. And yes. once you go to the top, you will start to feel more and more and then to see and appreciate the sense of the verticality and the building gets light. It's a building you've been in very heavy inside, but then the outside looks so light that it's almost flying and it knocks over you. 
And that is because the Florentines more and more, thanks to Giotto and the other architects, got confident. Mm-hmm. And they were aware of the role they had in society, in the world, in finance, in economy. Uh, think about now the growing up economy of the world. We can start with United States back in the late 18, beginning of the 1900. Think about the Empire Building. Think about also, I don't know, the Chrysler Building. Think about what, you know, have been done in Chicago. Think about also in Asia. Think about the importance now of the tallest building somewhere mm-hmm. in, you know, in Dubai. And everybody is fascinated by those buildings. So the Florentines in the 1200 were doing mm-hmm. that. You can't find these everywhere. For example, sure. you can find this in Rome. <laughs> Are we going to start with this again? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm really? We got to go there? That's. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, yes. Well, Rome doesn't have that many important bell towers. We do have lovely medieval towers. We also have a famous, well, at least me, a famous leaning medieval tower, the Torre yeah. di Milizia, right? Uh, you know. Very nice, too, actually. Yeah, you know, again, we have the Pantheon, so I'm okay with anything you I want to heard about that. To. Pantheon was about what? How old was it when the Tower of Pisa uh, or the Tower of uh, Florence was built? We're losing now. followers yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Anyway, so let's get this clear. And you've made some wonderful points about this. First of all, the Tower of Pisa, and we're going to be doing a video about Pisa and Luca. Uh, was uh, built first, and then yeah. the Florentines built yeah, theirs. Correct, designed correct. by Giotto. And let's kind of say Giotto is probably one of the first international artists is really known for his style and the the the, the wealthy, the, the leaders of all the other Italian city-states, including the Pope, want his work. Correct, correct. And so the people of Florence get him to do this. So this is interesting. Giotto is uh, a Florentine and- artist, just to, you know, anyway, specify that he was very much beloved and also, even if you could only take care uh, for very few years of uh, the towers, uh, though anyway, the towers is named after him. But Giotto is a great painter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, if you will ever be in, in Florence, well, do not miss the, uh, the frescoes. Uh, yeah. In the Basilica of Santa Croce, uh, in the chapels of two very important Florentine families, and you mm-hmm. will understand what doesn't mean Renaissance, because mm-hmm. even Giotto is 1300, so it's meant to be the Middle Age. But in a way, we start to see uh, what is this new approach towards the definition of the space, but also the definition of the human body in art, mm-hmm. in different actually postures, showing new gestures, and most of all, emotions something that is really the most impacting aspect of giotto or Absolutely. If for example also go to the city of assisi where actually mm-hmm. we have the tomb of saint francis mm-hmm. uh, you will have the chance of admiring incredible breathtaking sure. breathtaking frescoes by giotto and yes so- um you know i'm sure you haven't seen it yet but i'm sure like you like everybody else should be seeing it that they will go to see the uh scovini chapel oh, in right. padua. Oh. padua so we definitely get to cover it and we specifically have a shot of the kiss of judas oh, um 
Yes, it is. It is really incredible. So everyone, you can check that out on our other video, but we definitely will. You know, it's so funny. We did not go into a lot of the churches of Florence. So there's always plenty of material to go through. And we definitely want to do that. And also Santa Maria Novella is a whole other thing. I'm going to have you come around and talk to me about uh, Santa Maria Novella and Ghirlandaio and, and a bunch of other stuff. It's just everything's great. And you, you are right. I do fall in love with Florence every time. As I have, you know, I I I gotta ha I have to tell you. So I was taking a car ride to Tuscany, um, and this trip that uh, these trips that Dylan and I were taking, you know, we were in Amalfi, Naples, Capri, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the countryside, San Gimignano, Pisa, Cinque Terre, Venice, and the Veneto region. I was like, this 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 country is just so incredible because it's just like, yeah, it's not just one lucky. city, you know, we are, we are very lucky to, to be able to live here. Um, but I also wanted to think, I was just thinking as you were talking uh, to note that, you know, in the beginning of our video, you and I are talking in front of the Duomo, but the Duomo's mm -hmm. facade was never really finished, but the church, uh, the, the bell tower, the Jolto bell tower was really finished. Wasn't yes, it? Yeah, was there. The tower was, was always there. done. Let's put in a, in a kind of funny way. Um, the inhabitants of Florence, the citizens, were paying taxes for actually tax mm -hmm. for uh, the making of the entire monuments. And you know, you know, it takes a little bit of time build something like this infrastructure. Things about you know, in Italy or in the states or whatever you know, our uh, podcast listener are. You know, it takes a little time to build something. And of course, you get mad because you don't want to waste your entire lifetime not to be able to see something like that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, mostly for the cathedral. So the city of Florence decided that they would speed up on the tower because despite uh, the difficulties that would have been, you know, facing. Anyway, they knew that we would have been faster in building the tower. So there sure. was a time when the tower is completely done. We are in the 70s of the 1300. The tower is done and it has, it has marble all around. Just think about marble. Think how expensive now is to buy a marble kind of top. Think about in the 1300. That would have been really uh, the top Oh, the top ever of the decoration, shiny marble, beautiful, never seen something like this. And immediately the, uh, the imagination uh, of the Florentines goes to this uh, magical world that would have been the Roman time, the Roman Empire. And yeah. on the side, the cathedral is on the way, is getting built. It was a long process. It will last more than 120 years uh, the construction of that site and funny because at the very end when the cathedral is done they only had for the front for the facade just a small part the rest would mm -hmm. just you know uncovered with, with just bricks and yeah. it's all the story so uh, what to me is very interesting and what I like to do when we are in a guided tours in Florence is that we must analyze the building the cathedral of Florence not just as a religious building that is too obvious sure you don't need a guide to know that in a church they go to pray. But what is the function of the church within the economy of Florence? What is the role of that cathedral within the political, the mm -hmm. geopolitical order of the Mediterranean world in the sure. 1300s? America is unknown to the European, the American continent. And we don't go to Asia that easily. 
Therefore, no. Italy is the center of the Mediterranean and Florence is the center of the center. Florence, yep. don't forget, was a republic. We vote. We don't believe in the kings and my God, huh? we don't believe in this. So imagine mm. how amazing, though, was the attempt of the Florentine in doing what they were doing. True. Absolutely. Um, from there, we go into the academy, mm. academia, and we get to see the David. Now, we've spoken a lot about the David, but can we talk a little bit about some of the other pieces in the collection? In our video, we talk about the slaves yes, of Michelangelo. So tell me a little bit about the slaves and then some of the neoclassical uh, statuary that we can see. These yeah. uh, Okay, let's start from this one first. Um, yes. The academia in Italian language is actually the school of fine arts. Um, if I'm a student of School of Fine Arts, I say that I go, that I attend to the Academia. And the one in Florence is probably the most important one in Italy because actually the origin of the Academia as a School of Fine Arts is somewhere somehow very strongly related to the Medici. Therefore, mm -hmm. if you're a student of this Academia in Florence, you are very, you know, you know, an artist with a great chance of becoming important. And mm -hmm. so there is a section of the museum that has the name of Gypsotech, where mm -hmm. gypsos stand for actually the plasters. So there is a room where you may admire all plasters, so models of future statues in marble that actually mm -hmm. are mm, by uh, the great the greatest di uh, directors that we had at the end of the 1800, beginning of the 1900. So it's very fascinating because first of all, you can see uh, the process before the making of a statue. Uh, so how big has to be the model? How do the artists utilize those models? And you will understand many secrets. For example, that is a very good start also to understand in which uh, which one are the differences with mm -hmm. the artists of the 1500 uh, of the 14th? So that means Michelangelo, what kind of approach they had in sculpting from the model to the actual marble piece. And though this is quite interesting, and I'm telling you right now that all this section of the museum must be just recently restored so they repaint everything to be honest with you it's so recent this opening that i haven't had the chance to see the museum yet you know the oh. new the new way they displayed and the new setting of the museum it really it's like a week ago uh, meanwhile when you will be in a tour um visiting the academia and you want to have a focus on Michelangelo, um, the first thing I want to let you know is that the academia is by far the one of the most important Michelangelo's museum in the world because you have the highest number of sculptures or works of art by Michelangelo. Now, beside the funny joke that I make with Rome, Rome with the Sistine Chapel is really the temple, let's say, to celebrate Michelangelo as a painter, but the Academia is the place to celebrate Michelangelo as a sculptor yes. because you have several statues, not just the David, but then you have the slaves out of the prisoners, and then you also have possible, possibly another Pietà by Michelangelo. And what is the philosophy of Michelangelo as an artist? If you may have read... Um, the ecstasy and the agony somewhere you may read that through the lines but michelangelo deeply believed that marble it's 
it's um if i may say it's a material that contains mm-hmm. the body the shape and that means that michelangelo believes one thing that he cannot actually really make the body because the body's been made by god and michelangelo says i'm just liberating that body from the inside of the marble Mm-hmm. And so Michelangelo really sculpted in a way that you have the chance of seeing that slowly, slowly the body comes out of it. It's not like from the top, slowly, slowly is sculpted going to the feet from the head to the toe. Actually, Michelangelo sculpted the entire body. Like, I don't know, imagine you are in a big um, basin and slowly the water goes down and down and down and down and so in a homogeneous way your body get exposed and is out of the water exactly this is what michelangelo will do and though the philosophical concept i can talk about the religious concept i will talk about mm-hmm. really let these pieces sometimes ignored by the majority of the tourists they will help you to understand how strong, how intense, how important, how timeless is the statement of Michelangelo with the David. True. David is really a piece that I don't have word, words to describe mm-hmm. how important it is, how crucial it is. It's like a before and after David. Mm-hmm. Michelangelo's there is that important. And then uh, in the um, experience of the academia, you have the chance of understanding from very close what doesn't mean a pieta. Of course, in the Vatican, you're lucky enough because you can admire probably the most moving one from mm-hmm. a spiritual point of view, from a religious point of view, uh, which is the pieta that Michelangelo's copy when he was very young. But on the other hand, you can feel the fact that the artist was burning of, of ambition. He wanted to make a piece that will let him be the artist who get a great contract. Because, you know, the story of the Pietà in the Vatican is quite funny. Mm-hmm. But in reality, once Michelangelo is a famous artist and is already dead, beloved by everybody in Florence, I was saying Rome in the world, he starts to work for himself only. Michelangelo is the first artist to work for, for himself. He doesn't need any more to get a request, to get a commission, then he gets the money. Michelangelo works for himself. Mm-hmm. And that Pietà, which is also hiding a mystery, is really fully Michelangelo made. There is a mistake by the artist. So we could talk just for that statue, ignoring David for like sure. 40 minutes. Sure. Absolutely. Um, thank you for that. And and let me say something mm-hmm. that we don't want to tell to everybody. So it's a secret between you and me, Rob. But exactly what you say, it's, it's true that, you know, uh, during the pandemic, one of the, let's say, positive aspects, if there mm-hmm. is one, is that the museum were empty. So mm-hmm. to be alone in front of Michelangelo's David, that's a wow, right? But yeah. we know that there are certain moments of the day which mm-hmm. are not the typical one everybody may expect where you can be hmm, quite alone in front of the David. And we know when we book, when we need to book at that. 
Yes, of course. You know, and I know because you tell me sometimes when I ask you <laughs> the special moments to go through. Um, so, of course, the other main thing that one has to do, because, you know, we're going on the assumption if we have a day to spend and, and you know, our videos are, are set up so that when people couldn't travel or even now, maybe there are people who can't travel. It's like, come along with me for a day. It's not like we're just doing a tour, per se. People are walking along with me, trying great foods, uh, seeing what makes a place so special. Um in Florence, it's the biggie, the other biggie after the academia, of course, is the Uffizi. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Uffizi. You. Um, well, how many, how many hours, how many days we have? No, now. just no hours, because that's, that's why people want to come and meet you and, and follow you through. But uh, tell us, just tell us about the collection itself. So we can say that the Uffizi Gallery is probably the most important collection of renaissance paintings in the world or one of the greatest art galleries in the world would you say that is appropriate? it is correct what you say i mean if we would like to be probably very modest we will say that this museum is the uh, is the gallery with the most important art collection for the renaissance art or probably for the italian renaissance art that mm -hmm. Be honest with you, speaking with modesty. Anyway, the Renaissance in Italy is quite important, as you also may know. Sure. But in reality, I would like to have a different approach. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I want to go always to the um, to some some to the political aspect of art. In what what I mean political, I mean the mm -hmm. contribution that arts has given into the evolution of the humankind. Mm -hmm. From this point of view, political for making reference to the city, so to the, to those who are in the city, so the people, the citizens. Um, I will say that the collection that we have inside of Fitzy is a collection of art that proves what Florence have done in the past. It means to strongly contribute mm -hmm. to the evolution of the human imaginary. It means what do we like now? in this actual world, what do we think is the beauty? What do we think is what, what we do dislike? What actually is our taste, probably as Western culture, sure, a strong contribute has, has been given mm -hmm. by the Italians, let's say artists, painters, mm. mostly in the Renaissance. Therefore, being in the Uffizi Museum, it's like to search for your DNA. Have you ever done those, you know, that test, you know, yes. that you can trace your ancestors, right? You can see yes. your 20% this, 40% that. Somewhere, somehow, you fix the galleries like that. In front of a painting like, shall we give you the, the most famous one? So, for example, the, um, the Primavera, the Spring by Botticelli. Mm -hmm. we can easily make reference to the French Revolution. And the French Revolution is the time when, anyway, we set uh, the values of, um, of what is the standard, let's say, in terms of rights mm -hmm. of the people in the world, mm. the citizens of the world, it means the constitutions. And the same American constitution, anyway, will have a benefit after that. Mm -hmm. For it is that important, um, probably 
I better be more precise. And talking about the time of the enlightenment, it means when we start to be more rational. So all the 1700 is the time we are getting in that precise moment. Okay. That's why this is amazing, because you can start to see how far is the contribution of actually of the Italian art, how far it goes and how, how far it comes from. Okay, great. And so, so you're saying these origins and then you, you're, you're very good at taking these into modern time references or these other references that take a focal point that people can relate to. I yeah, think that's because- one of your gifts. <clears throat> Excuse me, about this. Now, um, and in fact, I love when you were talking about the bell tower <coughs> that was like a skyscraper. Right. Um, Probably a skyscraper is a tower. Absolutely. The towers came first. Of course. Now, um, just to say that the collection itself was started by the Medici because the the building that houses them were the offices that were the administrators of the Medici family. Correct. Their wealth and their banks and everything. Right. So Uffizi is Uffizi. Right. Uh, So that was how it initially started. And then it came into the hands of Florence. Yeah, actually, it's uh, the building per se, Mr. Giorgio Vasari, the architect, mm, mm. Is, um, is a great, actually. He's a genius. He made a masterpiece. Um, when, I am, when I'm running the tour of the Uffizi Gallery, I always invite the guests, you know, the followers, I mean, the guests on the tour, please just have a look at the building because the sure. building is a shrine of beauty. It's per se amazing. It's a work of art per se. And of course, it makes political statements. I don't want to go there now, of course. But, you know, it's elegant, it's beautiful, and is uh, also somewhere somehow an architectural promise for what the Baroque style is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there the are amazing, you know, rooms. Like, for example, I think about the Tribuna, an mm-hmm. octagonal room full of art in an incredible way. Uh, and um, there is a Venus, uh, mm-hmm. which is now known as the Medici Venus. Do you know that the Medici Venus um, was actually has been in the in the building in the Uffizi building since the very beginning, since the fifteen hundred. And that statue beside, I don't know, World War One, World War Two, has never left the building. Hmm. That's quite amazing. You know, that statue has been there for the last five hundred years. Hmm. Or, for example, you can actually find paintings of mm-hmm. the of the eighteen hundred showing you how that room looked like in uh, the in the past in that time. And so, also, it means that we are able to trace the taste of the people of the past, what kind of paintings they would love, what kind of painting they wouldn't love. You will see Raffaello inside your feet. Raphael, amazing. You will see uh, the only painting in the world by Michelangelo, not the fresco. Fresco is in Rome. Michelangelo only painted, let's say, twice in his life, let's say, the Sistine Chapel and one painting, and it's in the Uffizi Gallery. But then you will be able to admire from the 12, from the end of the 1200, Giotto. And then you can see Simone Martini, one of my favorites. Um, you will be able to see uh, uh, the very first artist of the early Renaissance. Now, that means basically uh, Masaccio, Beato Angelico, 
True. Uh, you will see um, um, the the portraits of the Duke of the Dukes of Urbino. Uh, so it means that there is such a variety. Oh, we can continue, of course, with Botticelli. Botticelli mm-hmm. will be always, you know, a moment. Uh, you will have um, how do you call? It? You say. Um, um, Stendhal syndrome, you know, you are so much in law with the art that you start to feel kind of heel weak because of the power of that beauty. Hmm. Um, and then what also I think is really amazing is the fact that in the Uffizi gallery, you are going from room into a room and between them, there are so many sculptures. And that is kind of luxury, you know, because you get to ignore them. There's so much beauty going on that you cannot look at everything. And you really feel like blessed. I don't know. I'm sure when you are in the Vatican, there is so much art that mm-hmm. where somehow you got you need to ignore something. And True. that to me is a sign of artistic luxury. It's a way I like to, to spoil my guests. You know, we have so much. We just choose the top, the best of the best. It's funny, your Fitzy Gallery. It is. And fun. I've never, you know, listening to you now, I, I always took it for granted. But yeah, it is unique as a building. You, you talked about the structure of it. I didn't th- think about it before, but it is unique in how it started. And it was probably a precursor to many other places that were collections of well, office spaces and then and then art spaces. Um, wow. So much to go over, so much to talk about, so much to uh, experience. Angelo, uh, I think that's enough. You know, the other people can watch the video because you do lovely explanations of the uh, Ponte Vecchio and the Vasari Corridor connecting yeah. the palace for the family of the Medici to these offices, which is really special. And uh, you give us a little overview in the beginning. So it's lovely to have you so involved with the video. Um, I gosh, for all the years that we've been working together, I have so much appreciate what you do and what all the yes, other lovely guys are doing. For. Thank you. And before we say goodbye, mm-hmm. don't forget, my dear friends, all over the world. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do not forget that you need to actually remember when you are in Florence. Don't forget, you need to go to the restaurant, you need to eat some food. If yes. you skip the restaurant experience, if you will skip the good the food experience, you're not traveling to Italy because of for course. the Italian food is really crucial. The best moments are decided at the table. Mm-hmm. The best events ever are at the table with a glass of wine, with the pasta around. That's don't forget to always plan the best food experience because those will be the moment you will make actually, let's say, your holiday have a sense. The art will be the side dish and the food will be the best. (laughs) Of course, and we include food in the video, right? We have the Bisteca Fiorentina and so much more. And the pasta and everything else. And the wine. Don't forget the wine. Of course, and a good coffee. But never cappuccino in a restaurant. Uh. Okay, Angelo. We have to have the set of the rules for Angelo's rules (laughs) about the proper way to eat, especially in Florence and and, uh, Naples, because (laughs) people don't know you are Neapolitan, but that you live in Florence. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. It was great to see you, and I hope to see you soon uh, that we can do more videos in Florence together, as well as more collaborations. Grazie.
Ciao. Ciao. Remember, guys, day. if anybody has any questions for Angelo, you can always, again, write to us at office at eternity.com. Ciao, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Thank you for listening to our TE Talks with Guides. We have a new episode every Wednesday. Please subscribe to get an alert when each podcast comes out. Rate us and tell people how you enjoyed it and share it on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Most importantly, if you enjoyed it, send us a feedback about the show. Also, if you are curious about what some of these people and places we talked about look like, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch the video on this podcast where we have inserted special images for you to further enjoy the story. 